0: Welcome to another edition of the A List podcast. I am your host, Ashra Blakely, with the co host, with the most, Kwani A. Lunas. What's up, girl?
1: I'm here. Shout out to Bet Online AG, as always, for sponsoring our podcast. And also, shout out to the people that are listening because they're the real ones. They've been coming back every week and giving us love.
0: Yeah, I, I would <laughs> so love to hear from have. some of our day ones because you know we got yeah. some day ones out there. You know, I know, if you've been a day one with us, let us know. How t- yeah. about your boy and your girl? Practice. Let us know.
1: So we can see you. I'm you certainly feeling, feeling good.
0: Absolutely. I'm feeling good about us. Uh Not feeling so great about the Celtics, though. Lost three mm-hmm. out of four coming into Tuesday after having one six in a row. Um there's a lot of chirping about like what's wrong, what's wrong. And we talk a lot about Tatum and you talk about Grant Williams and you talk mm-hmm. about Jalen and now folks are starting to focus a little bit less on what's happening on the court and a little more on the sideline, specifically mm-hmm. Brad Stevens. Uh, his, his name has been one that has been used in vain lately by Celtics fans and Celtics nation. Uh, not sure if it's all warranted, but it, it feels as though there's a different uh vibe now with this team under brad's leadership than it was previously what what are you, what are you thinking about brad and just kind of where he stands in, in the eyes of celtics nation
1: it's definitely a tricky situation because to your point people love to put the blame on someone it's either danny it's either coach stevens obviously the players are always going to get slack i don't even know who to blame at this point and it's unfair it's one of those things where it's you either just blame everyone or It's just not a functioning ship, essentially. I'm not really sure if he has, I don't know. It's one of those things where obviously he's the coach, but at the end of the day, he's not the one on the floor. And there are a lot of adjustments that you have to make as a player when you realize that you're down in games as well. So it's tricky because I do think that there is definitely a level of coaching that maybe he's not getting to his players or whatever the case is. Obviously, we don't know but I don't want to put all of blame on him because I do think that's unfair when you look at this squad and it's not all on him. He's not the one out there missing shots.
0: <laughs> no, he, he's not. But I, I do think though, that we're starting to see more of, uh, isn't so much blame Brad, but they want to see more accountability for why things aren't working from right. Brad. And it's one thing for him to say that, you know, I got to do a better job, but it's a completely different thing when it's like, well, why aren't you doing a better, better job? Yeah. We're like, we're, I mean, we're, damn near at the end of the regular season and the issues that we're talking about with this team, like effort and Mm -hmm. focus and, and guys not just picking up on things as quickly as they should. Those are things that we we shouldn't be having those conversations at this point in the season. Uh, This team has shown the ability to be consistently inconsistent. Uh, Their effort has been questionable uh, and, and they are consistent with that. And yes, that, that certainly is a player thing, but there's a, there's a coaching component to that struggle too. And I don't know if Brad has figured out exactly how to get more out of what he's working with. And I know they've been hit as hard as anyone by COVID and health and safety protocols, and you've had some guys injured. But the guys who do play, you don't get the sense that they're stepping up. And it's either because they're not making the most of the opportunities they're getting or they're not getting enough opportunities to make the most of them. Uh, but there is a clear – disconnect between what Brad and his staff wants guys to do and what they're actually doing. And whether that is on totally on Brad, totally on the players it's more likely somewhere in the middle. I do like the fact that there's a greater sense of having Brad be among those who should be accountable for this team being so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we far too often put it on the players and they deserve it because they, they're yeah. literally the ones out there not getting it done. But let's not pretend that the coach has nothing to do with that. And yet, we're the first ones to prop him up when things are going great and the team yeah. is winning. You can't mm-hmm. have it both ways. And, and I think Brad understands that. Uh, and I think Celtics Nation and Celtics fans are starting to embrace that. But that doesn't make it any easier or more comfortable for anyone involved.
1: Agreed. Great point. So let me
0: ask you this, Kwani. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the problems, mm-hmm. we talked about Brad. Mm. We talked about things not quite being where they should be. Where yeah. is your level of concern slash panic? And, and by that, I mean, like, a one would be like, we're good. None to see here. Let's keep yeah. it moving. Yeah. Ten, we need to blow this thing up. We need to get rid Ooh. of the whole enchilada. Where are you in that that range?
1: I would say I'm at a Four. Because I'm not necessarily neutral on them, obviously. And the reason why I still lean more towards the they're okay, so to speak, is because I do realize that playoff basketball is different and there's a different pace. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the players on that team have. I mean, Kemba last year was finally able to get his first playoff win. So he even can say he's been in in that kind of experience of what playoff basketball is. And so at this point, the regular season, I'm over it. I definitely don't see that as what we expected overall. But if they're able to and willing to step up for playoff ball the way that they have in the past, then I'd be like, okay, you know what? I could see them making it pretty far. But until I see that, until I see maybe the first two playoff games, I'm still not sold necessarily, even though I know they have the tools to be successful. They need to tap into that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I will put them at a three. Uh, and and I, I say that because even if they were healthy, good to go, all that good stuff, they're what, third, fourth best team in the East? And they're now at six. So th- it's not like this, there's this huge drop off from where they are and where they could theoretically be if they were playing great, very good basketball. Uh, I think so many things have to go their way and for them to really be a top two, top three team in the East. And it's been just the opposite. Very few things have worked out for them. So I'm not that worried because I think they're not that far from where they they should be. Now, as you pointed out, Kwani, they got a lot of guys with a lot of playoff experience who understand how different the game changes once you get past that regular season. And hopefully the Celtics will be able to tap into that, that they'll figure out a way to, you know, kind of dig deep and rise up and do the kind of things that we've seen them do in past years. Uh, I am, am I confident that they're going to do that? No, hell no, because I haven't seen a lot in the regular season that would make me feel confident. But I do know that is in them. Uh, I do know th- that they have that potential. But I am nowhere close to like hitting a panic button or anything like that uh, on this team. And you know who else isn't hitting the panic button these days? The freaking Charlotte Hornets. Who handed Boston the beat down over the weekend. Uh, And the Celtics, they'll get a chance to see them again uh, later on this week. Uh, Exactly. And we'll dig into what's clicking for the Hornets as well as the former Celtics who are now Charlotte Hornets and, and their impact on that. As we have a good conversation with Rick Bunnell, longtime beat writer with the Charlotte Observer. Rick is about to join us. Right
2: now, hey Rick, how's it going, my friend? How you been? It's been a really interesting year. Um, I, I, I think this—I'm speaking for every single NBA beat writer when I say that while we've traveled less than we have for any season, I think we're all more tired than we've ever been before.
0: <laughs> we're all zoomed out in so many ways. It's not even—I used to think that the concept of just having like this kind of already prepackaged amount of time and and visibility with players would be a good thing, but then you realize it's not because you're only getting a couple of players and you're sharing them with like 25-30 people every single day. You get no me time. Um yeah, yeah I'm not crazy about that. But I tell Having
2: you what unstructured intimate conversation is so hard.
0: It is. Yeah. It is. And it and is the ones I've had, are- yeah, it's 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 very different. It's very different. And you know how it is in Boston. I mean, there's there's a million and one media members, and now there's a million and one media members on Zoom. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I tell you what, what hasn't uh, been an issue. You're Charlotte Hornets. That beat down that they put on Boston over the weekend. I mean, where did that come from? It was only just like, what, three weeks ago where Boston beat them by like 30.
2: Um, I think the most remarkable thing about that was not that they beat the Celtics by 25, but that they actually got to a hundred points. So in three quarters, I mean, <laughs> it, since, since LaMelo has left, and, you know, the the term that James Borrego uses to describe LaMelo, he calls LaMelo their engine in the sense of what they do offensively. It You know, when you lose LaMelo and Gordon Hayward and Malik Monk, um, wow. for, for each of them for at least a month, actually, each of them, yeah, for probably a little more than a month, I mean, your offense is so handicapped that – They've had six games in recent memory when they haven't gotten the 98 points. Oh.
0: Wow. And they put a they put a C note in three quarters against the Celtics. I don't know if that's like them doing really well offensively or the Celtics defense is that trash
2: right now. The Celtics seem to think that game tipped off at four. <laughs> well played.
1: <laughs> and the Celtics are very familiar with the guy going by the nickname of Scary Terry. How has he been for the Charlotte Hornets, and what, ha- what? how have you seen him grow in his time there so far?
2: You know that horrible expression that we all laugh at when coaches say, so-and-so is an even better human being than he is a player?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. So corny. Really he <laughs> really is. Yeah. He's exactly the person you want to be the the um, the center of your locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, I was saying to um, Sherrod before – we started taping the thing that's so cool about Terry is they have asked him to change his job description at least five times in one and a half seasons. And every single time his only reaction was to shrug and go, I got this coach.
0: Yeah. I, I, I miss him so much. I ain't going to lie. Um, for me and Terry got to know each other a little bit when he, in summer league uh, out in Vegas, when basically nobody really, gave a damn about who this dude was. And I just remember we would just sit down and have these normal, like conversations that have very little to do with basketball, but you could tell that this was a guy that you really wanted in your squad. Uh, if and, and like I was telling Rick before, if he could just be like, you know, marginally decent, an NBA player, everyone's going to love this dude. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so it took something of the likes of a Kyrie Irving for, for the Celtics to be comfortable kind of letting him go. Uh, but man, you know, buyers are more big time when you think about Charlotte just how was
1: perfect for him. when you think about the development of his game, he was never going to get that real starting experience. So I'm sure you could speak for me that Charlotte has been the perfect opportunity for him to really shine as a star that he wants to be.
2: I, while I agree with you, I would say that his success here has been more a function of his adaptive nature, mm. you know, Supposedly he was coming here to replace Kem as the point guard. Right. Mm-hmm. Ten games into this first season here, it was obvious that Devontae Graham was just, you know, just blowing up. Right. And they asked Terry to facilitate that by being the shooting guard. Um, he does that extremely well. They draft LaMelo Ball, and all of a sudden, now you don't just have one alternative primary ball handler, you have two alternative primary ball handlers. Terry has Like I said, when I talk about all the different things he's been asked to do, um, he has often been asked to be their their first defensive option on the perimeter. That changed a little bit because Cody Martin has has improved. But the bottom line of the situation is they keep asking him to do something new every 20 or 30 games. And his reaction is just, "Okay, whatever. I got it. Um, You know, he was perceived as being overpaid for what the Hornets had to do to get him. And now he looks very underpaid. It's funny how that happens. Happened with a happens. guy. Happened with a guy they drafted a long time ago named Kemba Walker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not quite so much now, but yeah, right. Yeah,
0: there's another. Uh, there's another Celtic in the Hornets' nest, so to speak. Was uh, there terrible pun? <laughs> terrible pun on my part, by the way. Terrible pun. You went that to see and
2: Came up with. I that. know. I know.
0: I did the alma mater <laughs> bad on that one. I really did. But Gordon Hayward, though. I mean, we we you know that's someone, and, and you know this, Rick. That's someone that Michael has had his eye on for quite a while. Uh, yes. And what has he brought to the table? I mean, obviously he's hurt now, but when he was healthy, what were some of the things that made him someone that really helped this team be in the position they're
2: now, which is you know one of the better teams in the East. When healthy. If you only take that segment, Hmm. um, Gordon has been exactly what they paid him to be. Um, This team needed an organizer. It needed a connector. It needed a guy who could get you out of late shot clock situations. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I've got to know Ron Norwood really well. I know that he used to be with the Celtics organization. Ron has a unique perspective on this because he was Gordon's point guard at Butler. So he is now an assistant coach here and a guy who used to roam with, with Gordon on the road at Butler. Um, I thought that Ron put this so well before the season. Um, You know, Gordon was a double engineering major at Butler. He has that point of view in life. He's a calculator. Mm -hmm. Ron said to me, don't talk about him as a scorer. Don't talk about him as a passer. Talk about him as a decision maker. Talk about him as a guy who can take be surrounded by a bunch of young guys still trying to figure out how to play. And this guy, nine out of 10 times, will make the decision, whatever it is, that will give you the best fighting chance of a possession to get out of it with points. In that regard, he's been really good here. I think that the only thing that they need to worry about, and this is just a natural thing, when you pay this much money for a 30-something free agent – are the last two years of that contract going to look cost effective? It's, Mm. you know, in some ways, you could say it's kind of comparable to what the commitment the Celtics made with Kemba. You know, Kemba is a human pinball. Um, He has to play that way to be effective. Inevitably, he's going to get hurt, and he showed up in the Celtics' door with some knee problems already. In the same sense, you know, you have to wonder if the best of those guys – is going to be at the front end of very long, very expensive contracts.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that's certainly like around here. That's really the issue with Kim, but it's not so much how he's playing, but the fact that he doesn't play as regularly as you want. And it's all directly tied in with his health. Um, and it, you're right, Rick. I mean, it, it does become something that becomes very problematic near the end of, of the contract, because then if you're thinking about moving that player, you know you're going to get less in return because everyone knows you're trying to move that guy.
2: If you can even get a buyer.
0: Right, right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Well, even though we're still trying to figure out, obviously, how the Hornets and their now former Celtics are going to work out, one thing – that we know always works out on the A-List podcast is our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. Red Sox had that nice, sweet thing, seven, eight-game win streak. You can track all that and then some with all the action at BetOnline.com. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs. BetOnline has you covered. Before the next pitch, head over to betonline.ag on your laptop or your mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action, Kwani. Let's go. <laughs> Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Online, your online sportsbook experts. And as Quani will tell you, that is far and away my favorite part of every single
1: show. Every single episode. <laughs> and he <you> finds <laughs> a way to just sneak it in. Our guests are always like, what is he about to say? What is he about to do?
2: <laughs> <laughs> funny when I first knew Sherrod, yeah. When he was covering the Pistons, if you told me that 10, 15 years later I'd be listening to him do a live read, yeah, you
1: wouldn't believe it. <laughs> wow, that wasn't
2: yeah. That was Broke. that was so not in the playbook.
1: <laughs> Wait, I do have to ask Rick because you mentioned Syracuse. Did you also go to Syracuse?
2: Oh yeah, I'm one of those new house mafia guys.
1: I swear, He's every episode he just brings brother. another one.
2: I don't wear the orange blue stuff. He's in suffering.
1: I respect yeah. it. I respect it. See, I can deal with that.
2: <laughs> yeah. He's low key. I'm. I'm
0: just. I'm banging the keys. Yeah, sure. all the time. All the
2: time. we were in, I think he was inside the auto costume. Actually, Um, I always had a suspicion. <laughs> yeah.
1: That would make I, sense. I would
2: if I could, but they wouldn't let me. Wouldn't let Why me. Why not? Height restriction.
1: I don't know. Mm, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Well, we've talked a lot about basketball, but there's obviously on a less lighter note, the shooting death of Andrew Brown Jr. in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. And over the last year, we've seen a lot of obviously social activism from the players in the NBA. And I was just curious from your perspective, how do you think it's affected some of the Charlotte players? And what have you seen overall when it comes to the social justice movements that they've been making?
2: Um. I have not talked to the players specifically about what's happening lately in Elizabeth city. I will tell you that the entire state, I think it's fair to say is really upset about that partially because there's a really strange law in this state that does not give automatic access, um, to, to body cams. And that's really unfortunate, but, um, I will tell you that the driver of social activism, Around the Charlotte Hornets is actually from the very top. Um, Michael Jordan has been really interesting in that regard. Um, he he pledged a hundred million dollars over the next ten years, along with Jordan Brand, um, to deal with causes. A lot of it voter activation, a lot of it um, um, helping small businesses. Um, but the other thing that I thought was really interesting is you know it it got very trendy last summer for. NBA teams to start providing um, arenas um, as, as mass voting sites, the Hornets were way out ahead on that. The Hornets started a plan on that um, way before it was trendy. I think literally Sacramento and maybe the Pistons were the only other teams that were that proactive about that part of it. And it's, it's been a really cool thing to see. Um, the Hornets, you know, I mean, I we can talk all day about what's good and bad about this franchise. They have always been co- good corporate citizens in in recent memory, and that's, they're an asset to Charlotte in that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, M- Michael has really, I think, forced people to reevaluate the narrative uh, as it relates to him and yeah, his yeah. Uh, activation with social justice causes. When you look at just not so much the the talk, but the actual walk that, that he has had of late uh, when it comes to... Frankly being part of the solution and not on the sidelines. Uh, so absolutely tip your head off to Michael Jordan. Um he's he's doing what he's doing what should be done on so many levels. So um,
1: he's gotten a lot of slack, obviously, in, in the past for the lack of maybe activism as a player, but it was a different era of basketball. And I think the fact that he's been able to adapt to the fact that it is more okay to speak out against injustices, I think that's a great way to use the platform. So
2: I think voting access is a really cool thing um, mm. to, to address. And the, But the other thing, you know, that they've been involved with for years because they, they went out and they looked for real needs in the community. And one of the things they discovered was um, was food issues. Um, they've mm. been they've been very, very involved with with food banks and food deserts. Um, Michael has funded um, two free clinics with the uh, with the with the hospital unit that um, sponsors the Hornets. I mean, they basically said, we're going to build to clinics that the vast majority of the medical care is free in underserved um, neighborhoods in Charlotte. You know, that's, like you said, that's not just talking right. That's doing things that have real, um, real tangible um, impact.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Kwani, you it's took us down to- this-, this- yeah, I, lighten the low, coin. Let's have some fun. Come on,
1: move with some games. I'm not sure if Sharad told you, but we play games on this podcast. So now you have to play because you've already made it this far into <laughs> the episode. There's no turning back. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> so the first game, it's a new one. It's called Shoot Your Shot, and you have one shot to win a championship. And you either have Terry Rozier or Camber Walker. Who are you taking, and why?
2: Well. Now that's interesting because if you were asking me, I don't want to get too technical, but I mean, if you were Great. talking about someone creating a shot, then I might say Campbell. But I will tell you that Terry has nerves of steel. I don't know. Yeah. you know, um, I was talking to an NBA scout, a player personnel guy, who was at a lot of Hornets games, who doesn't work for the Hornets. And I said, what, what do you know about Terry Rozier that you didn't know before? And it was interesting that the guy said, He's as fearless as anybody in this league. You know what I'm saying is, you know, um, there are a lot of people in this league who no matter how good they are, they don't want the ball hitting their hands with five seconds left in the game. And Terry uh, doesn't just – he isn't just comfortable with that. He embraces it. So, you know, if, if somebody's got to hit a 20-foot jump shot um, and my, you know, and my house is up for grabs, I, it would be Terry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm gonna go against you could,
2: there.
0: Could. Really? That was a great that was a great, that was a great, great summation of why Terry would be a guy. Yeah. But I'm gonna go with Kimba simply because Kimba has been down that road before. Uh Kimba has delivered big shots and big moments before. And I look at the trajectory of his season. If there's anyone who's due to have a game in which they deliver that type of dagger, it's Kimba Walker. Uh and it's it's not as if we're talking about a guy. Who hasn't played at a high level before? Uh, I, I honestly believe if it came down to one shot to win a game and it was in Kimba's hands, I take Kimba just because of the experience and the fact that just the law, just the odds are in his favor of making that shot because he hasn't had a lot of opportunities like that, and when he has, he hasn't always delivered the way he needs to. And his health, I think, at that point will be significantly better than it is
2: at the present time. Sherrod, would you agree with me that Kemba's gift in those situations is more ability to create the space to get off a good shot, where Terry's more is the steely nerves to, hey, that ball's going to go through the the net whether it did last time or not. Yeah, Terry's got that. I don't give a damn
0: if I'm 0 for 17. If we can win, I'm taking it. Uh, Right. Whereas
2: Kemba – I love Kemba's creativity with the ball to create space. It's it's think.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think if, with Kimba, if he's like 0 for 16 and it's the games on the line, he's going to create enough space to get a good look. Whereas mm-hmm. Terry, it doesn't matter if he's got enough space. He's still going to take that shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 we got more I mean, games, Connie, right?
1: We have more games. And this one's another new one. We call it Who's Got the Props, as in prop bets. So most dunks between Jalen Brown and Miles Bridges. Bridget, who do you have?
0: And we're talking about the game coming up. <laughs> Yeah. Most dunks for a season. You no, know, for the game coming up this uh, on Thursday.
2: Galen will probably have more dunks, but Miles is by my, Miles by Miles will have the most memory.
0: <laughs> oh, that's such a uh, that's another Syracuse one. Did he? Oh my
1: gosh!
0: I gotta sh- leave. Out of the day. I
1: gotta leave. Get me out of here.
0: <laughs> you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think Miles is going to have more dunks because Miles I just think is wired for that part of his game the thing I like about Miles is when he dunks there's the, you it, it's like it's like it's an a earthquake that you know is coming and you know it's going to register before it actually lands when he takes off if you're in in that in his runway bye bye you're getting dunked on Jalen has more finesse to it but I, I think Miles there's going to be just more opportunities because well and the other thing too and we, we didn't get into this I just think Charlotte will do a better job defensively uh, and not allow Jalen to get so many dunks. Where I don't think the Celtics will do a good job defensively because that's just not who they are this year. So I like Miles to get a few more
2: dunks. Um, one of the things I did this really long takeout on Miles recently, and one of the things that I talked to him and people around him about is the emotional impact of those of those baskets beyond two points. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting. Borrego, who I think of as a not clinical, but somebody who's very technical in nature. JB said, oh, my God. He goes, I've seen the effect. He said, when he does that to the other team, he said, there's about five minutes when I know that it's not only affecting my team, it's affecting their team.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it really does feel like, you know, an earthquake just happened in your backyard, and you've got to, like, reassess where are all the paintings. i got to clean up this glass. You're not thinking about, you know what you're supposed to be thinking about. That dunk has that impact. He's oh, uh, I, I I enjoy watching him play. Uh, and he's another know, one
2: of those kids. He's more. He's become a dramatically more impactful all-around player. I mean, I thought yeah. it was interesting when, when Borrego said that Miles has reached a, a level in the last 20 games that he never anticipated him getting to this season. You don't often hear a coach acknowledge that.
0: No, no. It's usually, of course I knew he'd be that great. With my coaching and my tutelage and my, 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 he's a great player. Wow. Good for JB. Good for okay. JB.
1: <laughs> so the next one is, who will have the most made three-point shots? Is it Jason Tatum or is it Terry Rozier?
2: Probably Tatum because if I were Jason Tatum after what happened Sunday, I'd have a mad on going into that game.
1: That's true. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He, I, he, I, I, he, it was like Thanos snapped his fingers around Jason before <laughs> that. <laughs> but actually
0: I yeah. like that. I like that. Thanos. I couldn't get over
2: that. I couldn't yeah. get over yeah.
0: that. Yeah. It's I I I agree. I, I think Tatum is gonna have a big game. I, I think Tatum is going to be angry Tatum. Uh I think we're gonna be we're gonna see Tatum after talking to Kendrick Perkins, Tatum, that guy. Uh, that guy was really good. I think we'll see him resurface uh, next time because, you know, even though they'll, the Celtics will have played obviously a game since they played Charlotte, that's going to be fresh in their minds. Uh, they didn't just lose. They got their asses kicked. Uh, and now they're coming to you. And now you get a chance to almost amend yourself for that. Uh, and, and I expect a big game from Tatum.
2: You know, the other thing I'm curious about with that rematch I don't know what was up with Evan Fournier. I mean, he just Who? wasn't there. Stop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No way. I got a feeling Evan's due. Oh, well, yeah. let's put it this
0: way. He was o for the game, and since he's been a Celtic, it wasn't the first time he was o for the game. Uh, so to me, yet he had another game where he could miss. So he has literally been the epitome of feast or famine. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he went off and had like 25 points on 10 for 12 shooting.
1: Right. Wouldn't be surprised if he had a big
0: fat donut and was 0 for 10.
1: Exactly. I'm looking for that first shot.
0: The first shot that he takes is we'll going to tell me to everything. everything I need to know. Yeah. If that shot goes in, big night. If that shot doesn't go in,
1: more same. It's a wrap. Right. And finally, who's going to have the bigger stat line points, rebounds, assists between Marcus Smart? and P.J. Washington.
2: Oh, that's not even close. It's P.J. P.J. is on a ridiculous run right now. And and listen, I'm a gigantic – as Sherrod can confirm, I'm one of those people who, like, thinks that defense is beautiful. I, I told Sherrod a year and a half ago that I think that Marcus Smart is one of the most undervalued people in the league because he does something different from what everybody else in the Celtics does. Mm-hmm. But as far as putting up numbers, P.J.'s been crazy since he came back from that that ankle sprain. This
0: will be a really tough one uh, because he's right. P- I mean, normally if we had this conversation like maybe three months ago, it would be a no-brainer. Marcus would win. Uh, but P.J. has been putting up ridiculous numbers. But damn it, I'm rolling with smart boy. Uh, I'm rolling. I'm gonna roll with Marcus. I think that he's gonna have a tater, I think he's gonna have a, one of those Tato moments uh where it's like, I gotta make an impact. I've got to, I've got to do more than I'm doing. I, I think they're gonna win that game. I think Marcus is gonna have a big game. Uh but then I, I it's hard for me to go against these Charlotte guys because I like yeah. them. I love Miles. I love PJ. I love T I love Gordon. I love all those guys. But I think Marcus is gonna have a bigger game than PJ, though.
2: I did not see starting P.J. um, at center as being a a thing that was going to end well, and it really has. I mean, what it's done is he is so shorthanded right now that it has allowed him to get his best players in the court, however they arrange it. Um, The most interesting thing about James Borrego, about, about three weeks into him being the coach here, I asked him if there was anything about the way he looks at life that would affect his coaching. And I got this startling answer where he said that he never, ever, when he looks back on on being a head coach, wants to look at himself as reactionary. He said, I'm not going to be one of these people who's obsessed with scouting reports. I'm not going to be this person who changes my lineup every single game because of who I'm playing. What that has meant is he's very unorthodox. He, 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 He wants to put other people in predicaments. And sometimes that blows up in his face. But what I'm saying is, He is going to do what he thinks works with his roster, and then he tells the other coach, you know, whatever you do to bust that up, that's your business, but I'm going to go with my guys. And that's really – Sherrod, would you agree with me that most – there's way too much conformity in NBA coaching?
0: It is. I mean, everyone is trying to react as opposed to be proactive with what they do. Uh, We've seen – We've seen a bit of that here in Boston lately, uh, and it's not pretty. Uh, But the thing I I like about JB, though, is is that he has has a philosophy, and he hasn't really deviated from you. When you start looking at – and, Rick, I know you you know the numbers better than than any of us, but when you start looking at just the way his teams play and the guys that he plays and the roles that he has them embracing, there's not a whole lot of of deviation uh, from that. Whereas some games in Boston, you might see Grant Williams playing the small ball five. Other times you might see him switched out where he's guarding Terry Rogier. And sometimes that stuff is sort of kind of by design, which leaves you scratching your head. Why would you do that? Um, it's it's,
2: it's I'm refreshing say to see that. I'm going to say something from afar, and I want to know if you two people who are up close agree or disagree. I don't think Brad likes his team. I think that that roster makes him uncomfortable. I think it doesn't – he's not really sure if it all fits together. Um, I thought that there was zero chance that he'd take a college job just because nobody in his right mind is going to leave an MDA job for a college job. Well, when people would ask me if there's any chance he would listen if North Carolina came calling, I said, well, I just don't think Brad particularly likes his team right now. Am I am I wrong in that, in that notion? I don't think he likes – the way they're playing
0: as a team. And I think part of his issue is he hasn't figured out why they're playing this way. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of frustration with that. But I, I think Brad is, is is such a prideful guy that the idea of walking away with the job very much un, in a very so he, messy state right now, I don't yeah. think his – I don't think his pride would let him feel comfortable well, sure, walking but away from that. He doesn't want
2: to start recruiting again because nobody in his right mind does, right?
0: Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm still, you know, I, and I love Mike Woodson. That's my guy. Love him to death. I would have stayed as an assistant in the NBA. I, I would have. Um, the money might be better at, at Indiana, but all the things that you're going to have to do to earn that money <laughs> right. at that particular school, uh, nah. Being, you know, being Tom Thibodeau's uh, guy on the bench in New York, I'm all about that life.
2: Uh, so it's, it's it's cleaner. It's you know, Brad Doherty does a work does a weekly appearance on a radio show down here, mm-hmm. and Matt put it so well. He said ninety percent of being an NBA coach is coaching. Ninety percent of being a college coach is not coaching. Mm. That's really well put. That is that's
0: that's well that is well put. And I'm Very actually well. gonna steal that and use yeah. that at some point down the road.
2: I'll give Brad credit because that's I what we do it. at Syracuse. That was Matt. It was I, I misspoke. It was Matt, it was Matt Doherty. Oh, Matt okay. Doherty. Okay. Oh, the former USC <laughs> coach. Okay.
0: Okay. I will give Matt Doherty credit for that. Okay. But I will steal okay.
2: that. That <laughs> was well put. As Larry Brown said, really smart people steal. See a good idea and steal it immediately.
0: Exactly. Yes, yes. And it was a really smart idea for us to have you on this week. This was great, Rick, man. I appreciate you, man. This was really good and really timely. And uh, hopefully we'll get a better game when these two guys, when these Charlotte and, and Boston meet again later this week.
2: Um, You know, that game actually has stakes um, when you think about it. I mean, I don't think that the Hornets can catch the Celtics in the standings. But do keep something in mind: if by some miracle the Hornets win that game in Boston, they would clinch another tiebreaker. They hmm. they have tiebreakers over pretty much everybody who surrounds them in the um, you know in that in that ugly middle between six and eleven.
0: Right. Yeah. No one wants that play. No one wants that play-in game smoke this year. No one wants to be in but, seven through ten. I'll tell you what
2: you really want to avoid. You want no part of playing the Wizards in a one-game series to get into the playoff draw. That team, there's a there's an expression in tennis called a dangerous floater, which is a, a player <laughs> that is not seated in a major that you want no part of. Yeah. The Washington Wizards define a dangerous floater.
0: Absolutely. You are coming Absolutely. with all the
1: good analogies today. We just need to have you on every week.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you went to you went to a great school, Kwani.
2: What do you expect? Uh. <laughs> He's gonna pull out that orange and blue t-shirt any second nope. now. <laughs> See? And then it's I will. You.
0: <laughs> you know, it's not. You know, it's always within arms' reach. You know, it's always within arms' reach.
1: Oh my god, I have nothing. I
0: have nothing. Yep. Oh Rick Linnell, Charlotte so Observer. <laughs> thank you so much for your time, my friend. This was You're great. Welcome. This was You're awesome. It. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon, my friend.
2: Take care.
1: It's always a pleasure to have another Syracuse alum on the show. Sherrod, what were your biggest takeaways from your fellow? Wow, did, I'm just,
0: I'm just proud of you, Kwani, for doing that without rolling your eyes too much. Yeah, uh, I'm so I, I appreciate that. You you can be <laughs> when you want to, from time to time okay. you can <laughs> No, but Rip was good. I mean, I, just kind of, you know, really bringing us up to date on just, you know, the former Celtics, uh, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, what they've meant to that team and really just that Charlotte team is, uh, I thought at the very end where he started talking about tiebreakers, uh, that's mm-hmm. going to come into play in some capacity, which makes this upcoming game between the Hornets and the Celtics a very big one. Uh, the they Celtics, they need this win to give themselves a little bit more cushion from a team like the Hornets who have shown the ability to play at a high level and beat them and beat them badly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still processing and marinating over what he said about the Washington Wizards. Uh, yeah, they do scare me the way they're playing now. It's almost as if they're they're playing like a team that has nothing to lose, that knows they can beat you. Even mm-hmm. if they're not playing great basketball, they can still beat you because they've got guys who can defend, guys who can get buckets and matchup problems that frankly make it very difficult to limit their guys when they get it going. So um lots of good That's stuff from the them. Yeah,
1: exactly. And as a fan of basketball, I always get excited when it comes to to playoff season when it is a, a unpredictable type of outcome. But at the same time, for Celtics fans, if you're wanting your team to go far, they're going to need to step it up because, like, as you mentioned, those sleeper teams are ready. They're hungry, and, they, I mean, the East is an open field for anyone at this point, so Celtics got to really step it up this time.
0: They do, because right now, before games played on, on Tuesday, they're a half game uh, out mm-hmm. of that whole play-in bracket and, and not currently in that sixth spot, so they need – to re- start stacking some wins uh, soon. Mm-hmm.
1: What do you have coming up down with your other projects? The uh, man my of
0: the Other Midwest. projects, other projects. <laughs>
1: hmm,
0: what do we got? No, a mm-hmm. uh, bleach report where uh, Ashley. We're we're doing a little uh, playoff Rondo piece. Uh, just kind of whether or not playoff Rondo can do the unthinkable, and that is get the Clippers out of the second round of the playoffs, which is where that has been the end of their. Postseason journey mm-hmm. ever. They've never gotten out of, out of that. So, Rondo, you know, and you look at, and again, you know, I'll get into just what, what some executives are saying about Rondo, as well as, you know, looking at the numbers and the data that remind us all about playoff Rondo and how good he can be. Uh, so, I've got that coming. And also, I'll have some stuff for Boston Sports Journal, uh, where I'll just kind of look at where the latest for the Celtics are at this weekend and, and just kind of do a kind of a synopsis of, of that. And later on this Tuesday night, uh, I'll be on the Garden Report. Uh, we'll, we'll just look back at, you know, just kind of the fallout from the latest Celtics uh, victory, we hope. Um, and so we'll, we'll be talking about that. And I'll be on Locker Room later on tonight. Uh, and if you don't have Locker Room, definitely download that uh, on, on your from your, um, from your local app store. Uh, me and the crew will be on that. And speaking of downloading and apps and people that we love. What about BetOnline.ag, Courtney?
1: Yes, BetOnline.ag, we say every week, they're the ones that are showing us love in addition to the people that are listening. So make sure you check them out. Use our code CLNS50 for a bonus and let us know what happens. If you win, if you lose, I want to hear about it. I haven't yet to hear about anyone winning or losing, so I would love to get a little more feedback on that.
0: <laughs> I've been low key winning. I I, I, I need oh, to actually start. Putting, I, I have to do a better job of letting you know about my wins. Cause I've, I've had some nice yeah. doves, uh, okay. I have some nice okay. doves lately. So uh line it's, it's been, and it's easy to, I mean, that's the thing about okay. it. it. It really is very easy to get set up and get situated and, and just mm-hmm. really just, just try your hand at, at different sports and, and some of the prop bets and all that kind of stuff. So uh, definitely right. betterline.ag is the place to be
1: period
0: um, Well, Kwani, another podcast in the- another uh, one. This was a oh, good I do one. have
1: to brag real quick. Can I brag real quick? No. Your girl Emmy nominated, so please address me accordingly. That's I will. All.
0: I will. And <laughs> and and I I will I will just leave it right there cuz yeah. Uh it's nice to have your work acknowledged for an Emmy. Nomination. <laughs> it is. It so- is.
1: Yeah, I'll let you know what happens in June. Okay. Yeah.
0: It is in June.
1: Okay. But with that being said, for A. Rod Blakely, I'm Kwani A. Lunas. Thank you so much for listening to the A-List podcast and come back next week for another episode.
0: We out.